Hey, just a heads up. The episode you're about to listen to is Haosu, directed by Nobuhiko Obayashi and written by Chiho Katsura and Chigumi Abayashi. This 70s cult classic is very 70s. I was told to include that as a trigger warning, by the way. And our hosts have ranked this movie as spooky. If you'd like to learn more, visit our website, progressivelyhorrified.transistorfm, for show notes, relevant links, and transcripts for each episode. After the spooky music, we'll talk about the episode in full. So be forewarned, there will be spoilers. Good evening, and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the podcast where we hold progressive... Nope, that's not it. <laughs> I'm gonna get... Let me get extra close on the mic for this one. Go for it. Good evening, and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the show where we hold horror to standards it absolutely never agreed to. <laughs> Tonight, it's my birthday, and so I chose the movie, and we're talking about the 1977 Japanese horror film, Haoshu. Once upon a time, a man was given the job to direct a horror movie because Jaws got real popular in Japan. And so he said, daughter, what are you afraid of to a 12-year-old girl? <laughs> and this is the movie that came out of it. Oh, that explains a lot. Writing credits, he man. He ex-cop this shit. <laughs> oh my God. They totally ex-cop this shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I am your host, Jeremy Whitley. And with me tonight, I have a panel of cinephiles and cinebites. First... They're here to invade your house and find queer content in all your favorite movies. My co-host and comic book writer, Ben Kahn. Ben, how are you tonight? Y'all know how much I hate violence against cute cats in horror movies. This was a complicated one. That was yeah. a very evil kitty. There was no violence against it, only against the painting of it. Mm. We picked her up at the spooky crossroads of anime and sexy monster media. It's co-host and comics artist, Emily Martin. How are you tonight, Emily? I'm great because I didn't have to go very far. You picked me up at the crossroads of anime and sexy monster media, and this is where it is. This is it. This is where I live. <laughs> it's true. I was just there. This movie is a love letter to every bad practical effect that has ever existed. But making it delightful. We have Talking Comics own Steve Say and Bronwyn Kelly Say. How are you guys tonight? Great. I have something in common with this movie. <laughs> I have brought chocolate, candy, love, and dreams for the entire group. <laughs> Thank you. We've been keeping it delightful since 1977. Me and House. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and have seen a lot of one-dimensional characters in these horror movies. They're not usually quite this blatant or named after their single character. <laughs> Look, we'll talk about this when we talk about Class S, but, but like... We okay. should talk about Jamie Noguchi, our <laughs> yeah. comics. Hello. So, uh, so happy you're joining us tonight, Jamie. How are you doing? Justice for Mac. Justice for Kung Fu. Justice for Mac. <laughs> There's so many things in this movie that's like, is that an accident? Is it an accident? <laughs> it's like weird. And, and it was just weird and it ended up being stylish. I think it was intentionally stylized this way. Yeah. You know um, what is a goddamn shame? What? Is this movie does not have the same like midnight cred that Rocky Horror Picture Show has. Mm. It wasn't available in the U.S. until like the last 10 years. Okay. I mean, think about what it's got over Rocky. Like Rocky Horror Picture Show is at the same FPS rate the entire movie. <laughs> House? Wildly different frame rates. Yeah. 
This movie is fucking brilliant, though. And I will fucking, I'll put that on my Definitely. head down. Oh, absolutely. On that, on that front, do you want to do the uh, the credits here so we can uh, discuss who is to blame for this brilliance? Okay. Well, <laughs> we have our director, Nobuhiko Obayashi, who, that was the one who asked his, his 12-year-old daughter about yeah. whether she was scared of cats. So, Chiho apparently wrote the screenplay. Chigumi Obayashi is the daughter who I wrote know, the I original really story. Like the idea. I really like the idea of the like, grown man just throwing out the wild ideas and then the 12-year-old girl being like, yeah, yeah, I'm writing, I'm writing, I got it. <laughs> we have Gorgeous, played by Kimiko Ikigami. We have Kung Fu, this movie's hero, played by Miki Jinbo. We have Fanta, or Fantasy, played by Kimiko Oba. Who should have, have been called Cassandra. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's opportunity. Yeah, we have... Uh, Gotti or Prof, played by Ai Matsubara. We have Mac, the hunk of this film. Oh, yeah. Played by Mako <laughs> She's Sato. the meathead. She's like, yeah. yeah. She's fucking fantastic. We have Melody, played by Eriko Tanaka. And we have Sweet, played by Masayo Miyako. Now, on my list here, I don't have the actor who played Togo or... Do we have the ant here? All of those people you've listed are professionally not actors. They, yeah, they, they are. are all models that work yeah. with the director. On, on a campaign, and then he then that cast in this his first featured film. Yes, that very much checked out. <laughs> Could you tell from this? the acting? Kesuki <laughs> <laughs> okay, Togo is played by Kyohiko Ozaki. I, it was hard to tell what was them being terrible actors and what was just like the 70s, because this movie is aggressively 70s. I actually wrote the 70s as one of my trigger warnings. <laughs> <laughs> This is in the same like it's yeah it's pretty genre cool. of weirdness as Yellow Submarine. The the band who sings the insert song when they're going on the train, and then the last song that plays at the credits, they make a, a cameo appearance as the dudes hitting on the girls in the train station. And if you watch their mouths, they're they're mouthing the song as they're hitting on the girls. That, Amazing. That's great. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Listener, in all the ways that you're unprepared for this film. High among them is you are not prepared for how funky fresh this movie soundtrack is. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And is Yoko Minamida. Now she was legit. Yeah. One of yes. my favorite details I found in the weird facts about this movie is that the girl who played gorgeous, Kimiko, was really nervous about having a nude scene in this movie. So the actor that played the aunt just decided that she would get naked on set with her to make her feel better. And so the director added a nude scene for the aunt. Was there a nude scene for the aunt? Yeah, they like it's intercut with Gorgeous's nude scene. Okay. A, little, a little off the shoulder kind of yeah. mono oh. action. Ooh, this little, movie really, again, it was just like, <laughs> all right, you made it. You made it through an hour 15 of uh, just fucking batshit wackiness. Now have some reward boobies. According to IMDb, this movie is described thusly. Okay, okay. And we're going to have to have chats about this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A schoolgirl and six of her classmates travel to her aunt's country home, which turns out to be haunted. Dun, dun, dun. That's it. That's not inaccurate. That's... And yet, it's somehow completely completely ineffectual and preparing you for this. <laughs> yeah, like... Those are supposed to be going for a training camp. What are they training for? They were going to do a training camp and then they decided to go to the aunt's house. There's... The training camp was canceled because Togo was an idiot. 
what were they training for? Because I hear that, I'm like, oh, were you on a team together? Probably. I mean, oh, they had like, they had a coach. They had like the teacher there who's ganky as fuck. Like that uh, teacher, I would have a crush on the mm-hmm. the lady teacher in the beginning. Yeah. Oh yeah, the one who has an arranged marriage that we don't get back to at all. That has yeah. a backstory that right. Right. <laughs> so this is the very beginning of the movie. Is it cool if we start the recap? Yeah, I mean. Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> so this movie. It's your birthday, Jeremy. You set the tone. Yeah. This movie starts I, out. I am drinking. Okay, good. <laughs> what are you drinking? I am drinking honey liqueur. Ooh. Honey. There you go. Otanjobi omedetokazemasu. I watch anime, but I don't fucking know shit. <laughs> that means happy birthday. Anyway, Haosu is a movie, according to the, uh, the title card. It starts out pretty psychedelic and continues thus throughout the film uh so we introduce ourselves to gorgeous who i can't remember what her actual what they actually call her but is sometimes translated as angel and then there's fanta who is also known as fantasy they and are they're gal just, pals uh-huh. they are gal pals who clap at the pelvis mm-hmm. yeah oh yeah mm-hmm. that crotch first hugging <laughs> at first it was not clear that gorgeous was the actual character's name so i'm just like Oh, so you're just going around, like, holding hands, hugging at the, the crotch and calling each other gorgeous. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, seems straight to me. Fantasy is a photographer and gorgeous is her model. And this is just, like I said, gal pals. This movie is like the movie equivalent of a weeping angel, because if you blink, it will send you back in time and take your life away. And specifically, it'll take you back to the 70s. Yeah. <laughs> and, like... Can we talk, like, I know it's skipping ahead. Gorgeous's dad. Holy shit, is this man 1970s? <laughs> yes. So we're, that's next. So Gorgeous returns home. Great, I skipped ahead to the next scene. I'm good at this. <laughs> Sounds great. Yeah. Fancy dad comes back from Italy and he's Very like. Very sexual, this dad. He has really tight pants. But also he, her dad is also wildly mediocre. Just. <laughs> yes. Well, this whole movie is so gay. Not the least of which, because all of the men are, as you so brilliantly put it, Jamie, mediocre. <laughs> gorgeous is just really pissed off that Fancy Dad is trying to replace Gorgeous's gorgeous mom. Now, Ryoko Emma, who is this woman who is constantly windblown, like she's Garth's girlfriend in, in the first Wayne's World movie. Like, I love you, dream woman. Which crazy is to me, and I, and I know this is skipping ahead to literally <laughs> the last scene, but no other spoilers other than that she's in it. The very last scene with her and Gorgeous where it's crazy because they're sitting across from each other in the same frame and Gorgeous's clothes are stock still, not moving at all. And fucking Ryoko's clothes are just fucking flapping every which way well, going crazy. Yeah. Gorgeous is wearing like a Komodo, which is like those things are fucking heavy, like super heavy silk. It's like upholstery heavy. And then Ryoko's wearing like silk scarves everywhere. Like she's fucking Cirque du Soleil. And Gorgeous is giving Ryoko that weird death stare as she's like opening the door. And oh her my head God. Move and it's just like. eye contact. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ryoko is very pretty and always windblown. And then Fancy Dad she is like. live here because there's always a sunset at this house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Always fancy. like a purple and orange sunset at this house. It's been eight years since her mother died. Let your dad get some, like gorgeous. <laughs> yeah, gorgeous. It's been eight years. It's that's a healthy time to grieve. Let your dad hit the dating game, and by dating game, I mean marry the first windy woman he saw. 
You know how many women this man has had to turn down? He's a better musician than Ennio Maricone, so... (laughs) (laughs) He's he's beating him up with a stick. (laughs) He's beating him up with his bell-bottoms. Yeah. This man is the most aggressively 1970s dressed (laughs) man I've ever seen. This is one of those things where it's such a pure essence of the time it's in you'd swear it was, like, a parody from later on. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, Dad and Gorgeous were supposed to go on a trip for summer vacation. Dad is taking Ryoko. Gorgeous is pissed off because she doesn't want a new mom. So she's like, fuck you, Dad. She's supposed to come, too. She's- yeah, that's what I'm saying. She's just not coming with this beautiful windblown mom. <laughs> yeah, she's like, no, I'm not going to go on your vacation, Dad. I'm going to deface all my photos of you. And then she starts thinking about her cool aunt, whom she's met once. Yeah, she's met yeah. one time. It's yeah. such a weird setup because all of this is very clearly also set up for a horror movie. <laughs> well, and it's funny because the picture of the aunt has the cat and then the exact cat shows up and she's like, wow, cool cat. Where did you come from? <laughs> that does not question this cat at all. Gorgeous does not ask questions. Gorgeous is not prof. Gorgeous is only gorgeous. She can only have one one type. She can't have more character traits than pretty. Mm -mm. It would be too complicated. No, she has two. She's very pretty and she hates Ryoko. There you go. She likes to put on makeup. Yeah. That's part of the bed thing. But they say, it's like, everyone's like, oh, we're getting ready for bed. Where's gorgeous? Oh, probably putting on makeup like always. (laughs) I mean... Good for her, though. Like, <laughs> makeup's cool, especially if you're cool with it. Like, my skin breaks out. I wish I could be gorgeous. Makeup sometimes. is very cool. I love doing makeup. I just think it's kind of crazy. Like, ah, what do you think she's doing in this haunted house? Like, she's only got the one thing. She's just got to be gorgeous. <laughs> she starts out pretty and hating Ryoko, and then she becomes a hungry ghost. And I think that's something we can all aspire to. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, isn't that. A hero's journey. Yeah, this is what we just want. That's the villain. That's the Pac-Man villain journey. (laughs) (laughs) I do appreciate that her windblown soon-to-be mom gives her a cool scarf and she throws it off in slow motion to show how much she hates it. Yeah, yeah. Falls in slow motion into the sunset. (laughs) I think it's important to know that this movie didn't actually film things in slow motion. It just slows the frame rate way the fuck down. It's, it's fine. Okay, so now we transition to another scene where we meet the entire team, not just fantasy and gorgeous, but we also have Melody, the musical one, Prof, the bookish one, Sweet, the nice one. Sweet has, of our heroes, Sweet has, she's Please. not, there's nothing there. Yeah. She likes cleaning. Yeah, she uh, right. polished tears to do chores. She yeah. cleans and she gets hit by futons. Yeah. Yes. Maybe all the futons were mad because she dusted them. Yeah. Justice for sweet. Melody is by far the most, like, Melody has a second character trait, and it's that she's fucked up and horny. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of these characters are kind of fucked up and horny, but, you know, that's yeah. 18. That's true. <laughs> so. Uh, horny for watermelons, but, you know, that's. <laughs> Watermelons are also very fuckable, but okay, so... Watermelons above or below bananas on the fuckability scale. It depends on... It depends on what you're into. 
if no preparation has been done on either fruit, I'm definitely going banana on that one. Because <laughs> I got to say, just going dick first into a watermelon sounds like a recipe for a disaster. That is a hard shell ride. <laughs> you gotta the girl technique you, there. We have our next character, Kung Fu, who is the hero of this film. She... Packs a movie in a bikini bottom for she her. She gets shit done for a reason. Yeah, yep. she, she kicks her own clothes off, and no one has no one says a word about it. Even she, when she's hurt. dead, she's kicking ass. Yeah, before the girls realize haunted stuff is going down, she gets attacked by haunted firewood, which she kung, karate's away or kung fu's away, as is her name. The also kung fu is the bird at that point. Yes, <laughs> and her response is like. At least I got some practice in. Kung Fu yeah. is aspirational. Let's be honest. Yeah, Kung Fu is, a, I mean, yes. Like, if I'm going to go, I want to, like, fly and kick my enemy as I go. Uh, how long after somebody dies does it take for Kung Fu to leave their legs? Because Kung Fu continues to exist in her legs after she is deceased. Right? Well, if you cut off the wolf's head, it can still bite. But look. Kung Fu is the only one who accomplishes anything in this whole movie, and she still manages to unleash the red tide with her bottom half. She just fights, like, fist fights a ghost monster, like, (laughs) to almost a draw before she gets thrown back in the house. Like, fucking Kung Fu needed to have survived this movie so she could join a Sentai team. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She's the first female Makai. <laughs> Thousand percent. Please. Fucking give her a motorcycle. Let her be common rider. Just fucking. Yes. St- still in the bikini bottom. Just on a motorcycle <laughs> and a buck helmet. That's how it's supposed to be. Yeah. Okay. And I haven't talked about Mac. So here's Mac. This movie made me do research because I'm like, Mac, what's Mac's deal? This movie came out in 1977. Oh, shit. What year did McDonald's hit Japan? Fuck in 1971. Yeah. <laughs> that had to have been the McDonald's reference, right? He is, yeah. No, they say what it is. They say stomach. Did it all short for stomach? Like, <laughs> oh. Because well, damn, I fucking McDonald's theory sketch. <laughs> no, it's, it's stomach. Well. And Mac, she likes to eat and she is not ashamed. Oh, yeah. Even though everyone try, everyone else tries to shame her for being quote unquote big. But yeah, she's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're constantly body shaming Mac, who is maybe one pant size larger than the rest of the girls. Yeah. Yes, the rest of them are in a zero. So Mac is a size two to their size zero. That's but what yeah, we're talking it's so about. So cute, and her outfit. Oh. Oh, their outfits are so fucking flawed. There, yeah, there are some good clothes in this. I want yeah. to say this is Hollywood's idea of, like, fat, but this wasn't Hollywood, so. Yeah. I don't know. Tokyo, you got some explaining to do. <laughs> well, hold on. We forgot to mention between this scene and the other scene with Gorgeous, she does a quick change, but she does it Wonder Woman style. I had but- that in my notes. There's a spin around whoop de doo sound effect. For a clothing change. She legit has a magical girl moment. Yes. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I did write this down. Anyway, so we we find out that Fantasy has a crush on Mr. Togo, uh, who drives a golf cart everywhere. Fantasy having a crush on Mr. Toto is compulsory heterosexuality. You cannot change my mind. Oh, I'm not going to. No. 100% right. You're 1,000% right. Yeah. Let's have a fantasy of him riding a horse through a field. 
give it like six more months and she'll get to the point where it's like oh it's gorgeous in the night suit on the horse look this fucking full rose of versailles but like <laughs> like she also has a, a fantasy about a bear man eating ramen so like is that a sexual thing no i think she is straight up I mean, like is it though <laughs> I mean, everything is sexual in this film i guess the bear is hotter than mr togo yeah, that fucking watermelon dude is hotter than Mr. Togo. Yep. Yeah, that's true, <laughs> and that is unfortunate. But it is watermelon true. Dude, watermelon dude is aspirational. Apparently, the characters at the ramen shop are a parody of a series called Torasa, which was, I guess, popular at the time. This is in the weird, <laughs> the many, many interesting facts about this movie that I found on the internet. Um, I don't know Every if that movie, uh, if that show features a ramen bear, but well, the ramen bear needs a spinoff, and it should start Gail Simone. Yes, yes it should. <laughs> yes. Well, I do got TM, that, TM, TM. I did get the feeling, especially during the Mister Togo scene. So I'm just like, I'm seeing whole scenes built around references to things I've never heard of. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, honey, did you have that little thing out? What was that? Okay, so I found my ticket to in 2009 when I saw House for the first time at uh, All Tomorrow's Parties at the Don't Look Back uh, event that went on at Kutcher's in upstate New York. And the ticket is a viewfinder card. What? I they see that. You, they gave you viewfinders. Yeah, great for an audio podcast. I'm holding up the view <laughs> card right now. So... This played at 1.30 in the morning on Friday night, uh, the first night of the festival. This was after seeing Panda Bear, Suicide, Iron and Wine, The Jesus Lizard, The Drones, The Feelies, and Dirty Three all in a row. And then ending the night with going to see Haosu sitting in the like cold air conditioning in a movie theater with a bunch of people. Suicide? Yes. Yep. Whoa! And I have is I wine? Yep, I have my ticket here, and I have the program here, and it actually has uh, descriptions for all the movies that were playing at the yeah. Criterion. I want to mash a bunch of those movies together to make a band title, like Su- Panda Suicide and the Jesus Lizards. This description for the movie is pretty amazing. Do you mind if I read it? Please. Yeah. Okay. Better than IMDb, probably. The Ecstatically Deranged House. Haosu, a box office smash in Japan, is now one of the most coveted cult films to emerge from the fantastic realm of Asian cinema. Imagine if 1970s Disney recruited Dario Argento to direct a Christy McNichol uh, tween teen vehicle. Haosu is a movie hatched from a bizarre alternative universe where candy-coated acid dreams are the status quo of popular culture, a rare opportunity that's not to be missed even if it's playing at 1.30 in the morning. One hundred percent. Very good description. I like Much that description. <laughs> yeah. Nailed it. So good. So good. Lastly, I saw it. That was the first year I saw it. And then the last year of ATP, which must have been about three years after that, they screened it again. And I believe I actually told this story of um, the movie theater that, that I was at the bottom of a boat. And so you had to go all the way yeah. on like an ocean liner and sit yeah. in beanbag chairs. <laughs> and Haosu was one of the movies that you could chill to while you were waiting for bands to come back on. I remember you mentioning that before. Like, yeah. so fucking jealous. So amazing. What uh, costume did you wear? Costume? To all uh, tomorrow's parties. 
Oh God, I don't know. Um, probably a, Bor- a Boris shirt, if I had to guess. It was a joke. You didn't go as ramen bear? No. <laughs> I I don't re- I didn't remember Ramen Bear until the this latest screening. I happened to look up. I was dismantling Legos as I was watching the movie this you time. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> look, I've been by myself in this house for two weeks. I had to do something. <laughs> yeah, like there's something like, oh, he's building Legos. That's cool. Like dismantling Legos. That's a fucking call for help. Cry for help. I I built, I built one thing and I dismantled about six giant projects, but I did build the new Batmobile from the Batmobile. So from a kit or just from like scratch? No, this is from a Lego Technic set. Okay. Considering you had two weeks, I would say you could probably do that from scratch. By the way, viewers, that's a fucking legit ass Batmobile yeah. that you showed us out of Legos, and it ha- even has like some fire coming out the back of it. Speaking of vehicles, well, we're yeah, Shaq, where are we? I don't even know where the fuck we're Honest to God. anymore. I, like this movie, have lost the plot. <laughs> <laughs> I derailed everything with my it's, show and tell. It's all good. Does your viewfinder have images of the movie on it? Yes, it does. Fuck yes. Okay, so is it Kung Fu's legs? No, it is not. Is it is the cat? Okay. <laughs> oh, that, okay. It is Blanche. But is it Blanche on Blanche. like real Blanche? Blanche, or is it is it like crazy mouth Blanche? No, it's real Blanche. Okay. So for our listeners, if you're not familiar with the viewfinder type thing, it's like those little click binocular cards that you could look into and click different images, like a little headset. Looks like a little project. VR set. <laughs> Yeah, it's like an Oculus. Hey, listener, <laughs> who don't know what the viewfinder is, stop being fucking young. It's making me feel bad. Give them time; they'll be fine. You will enjoy a viewfinder more than you will enjoy the metaverse. So, yes, get one. Especially this viewfinder, if you can ever find one with house stuff on it. It's like gifts, but still, it's you know, <laughs> it's more immersive than the metaverse. Yeah. You can see legs. You can see legs. There will be legs. <laughs> yes is Mr. Togo shows up in his, his golf cart to them waiting outside to go to this training and is like, sorry, my sister's in that we're supposed to be staying at isn't fucking open this season. And I didn't know that till right now, even though we're supposed to be staying there. I'm a bad teacher. He sucks. Um, it's apparently it's also because his sister is pregnant. So he's also yeah. a bad brother and uncle on top of that. Yeah, No good all around. No, yeah. he's terrible. So Gorgeous is like, well, I'm sure as fuck not going on vacation with my dad and that harlot. Why don't we all go to visit my aunt who I've only ever met once who lives <laughs> at a castle in the fucking country that I'm not really clear on where it is. And we'll go by bus. Well, they go by train. Which everybody else is like, cool. Yeah. Um, so she has a little bit of trouble getting hold of her aunt, but with the help of Blanche, the cat, who shows up everywhere randomly. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like she mails a letter to her aunt and a handwritten letter shows up sticking halfway out of her thing without an envelope or any sort of address. Like it shows up in her mailbox with the cat and she does not think this is strange. No. Nope. Imagine you're this aunt. Imagine you're not a weird, heartbroken vengeance ghost. Like, you're just like, look at here. You get a letter from your niece. It's like, hey, uh, 
I know I haven't spoken to you or seen you in 10 years. Can I come chill with you for a week and also bring six of my friends? (laughs) (laughs) Frankly, in 2022, the hardest part of that to swallow is imagining I'm not a heartbroken vengeance ghost. (laughs) (laughs) Also, their postal service works because it's not run by DeJoy, who is trying to like break it down and privatize everything. So so good. You can send a letter to the country. And it comes back the next day, handwritten, even though there's no address on there. Exactly. The postal service gets it to you. Yeah. And they'll get it to you with a pretty white cat. Yeah. Fuck the joy. Get his ass out of there. We need a better postal service. God damn it. Oh, fucking right. Really? We're buying gas guzzlers? Because that makes sense in 2022. Yeah. Right? Let's just divert all post (laughs) conveyance to ghost cats. Okay. So ghost, ghost cats 2022. They get serenaded by the band that's singing the actual soundtrack as they go ride their, their train out to the country. <laughs> good. And yeah. They're unloaded in front of... seen an arcade, which featured guest appearance by Imagine Dragons. <laughs> so, same energy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I just was sent. Like, I was sent via cat ghost mail. Um, <laughs> we did not talk about the bucket scene. Mr. Togo... Leaves after everybody else. And okay. he lives in fucking Japanese Sesame Street, where there's just people outside fixing shoes and painting in the middle of the day. It falls down the stairs into a bucket. His butt gets stuck in the bucket, and he then has to go call the hospital from the neighborhood telephone, while the little boy who lives next door just continues to beat on the bucket on his butt to play drums on it. Like, yeah, he's in oh, some yeah. other he is in Sesame Street or you know what? It's not Sesame Street. It's Pee Wee's Playhouse. Let's be real. <laughs> yeah, that tracks with a macaw and a pony. Maybe it's an actual maybe it's a donkey. I don't know. And maybe there's some sort of joke there with the ass and his ass and the bucket. Yeah, maybe I it's because he kicks the bucket. Did Togo actually die in that scene? And then the rest of his appearances are that's why he turns into bananas. <sighs> you said you said kick the bucket. And now yeah. Like, Maybe he did kick the fucking bucket. I love the idea that this entire movie is a Jacob's Ladder scenario for Mr. Togo as he's just dying from like, I guess, just like blushing lives from a butt stuck in a bucket. What if he slipped on a banana peel and that's how he went? I think he did. I think he did. No. Yes. Every weird ass transition. And the fact that this movie is just Togo's brain slowly dying. (laughs) Jeremy is so flabbergasted by this that he's out of focus. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so, uh, yeah, there are some cowboys at the train station. The girls get on the animated train and uh, they go into the countryside. Gorgeous is like, where's my cat? Oh, she's on the train. Cool. She saved us a spot. No further questions. Okay, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Here's a question for the group. Yes, Steve. They're all waiting out front on the street for Gorgeous. Meanwhile, Gorgeous is already on the platform waiting to get onto the train. Was she just going to leave without all of her friends? No, she's going to the platform for the train looking for her cat. Who she who was not at home when she left. The cat wasn't there. Her friends show up on that platform, and the way that she turns around and looks at them, she's kind of like, eh, oh, hey, you made it. <laughs> Gorgeous's emotional range is limited to what she can express while still being gorgeous. Mm-hmm. She can have feelings that would give her ugly face. I... She's only capable of, like, 
dull surprise that's still just like open mouth movie poster shock. (laughs) (laughs) She's looking for a cat. She wants to find her cat. I can relate to that. But the cat's on the train. They all get on the train. Cat's on the train. Cat has a ticket. Cat fucking checked in. Like, what's that lady's reaction? Yeah. I need to see this scene from the reaction of the lady the cat is sitting next to. Who's just like, oh, like, I guess I'm sitting next to a cat on this train ride. I mean, some cats do take the bus, but that's beside the point. The cat has already ordered food service. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I gotcha. Uh, Fish. Yeah. (laughs) Put it on my work account now. Okay, so apparently any old cat can open a door, but only a witch cat can close one. That's science. Something said, and then repeated ominously later in the movie. Uh, People have told me. Yeah, not every cat can open doors, much to my cat's frustration. Yeah. Oswald can open doors. Yes. My cat understands how the doorknobs work in theory. He understands the mechanism of them. He just don't have them thumbs. <laughs> you don't got no fucking thumbs. Well, <laughs> you you have tiny knobs. I have like levers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They can do yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. The pain yeah. could get in and out of your doors. Dorts could not. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Okay, this is the point well, where the movie gets deadly serious for five minutes and then turns black and white. <laughs> yeah, so we get some exposition about Auntie Her by husband. way of inexplicable black and white film on a train. No, I think that this is perfect because the the flashback is in like the format of a silent film. Apparently, Gorgeous is just really good at describing what's happening to the point that they feel that they're seeing a black and white movie about World War II. <laughs> And they can make comments about it. Yeah. And uh, one of which is how handsome like, the the uncle is. Uncle would, be uncle. would have been like, well, this is just happening in fantasy's head because she's fantasy. And we've set her up that she has these imaginations. But this movie was like, no, not batshit crazy enough. Have it be an inexplicable film reel that they're all viewing in real time. Yeah. And making really cryptic comments. Yeah. Like the film burns away at one point and they're like, oh, it's burning. Oh, a kiss of fire. Kiss of fire. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm yeah. like, cool. Oh, are you also seeing these transition effects? Yeah. Are you aware that you are living in a world of crazy transition effects? <laughs> like the film inside the film broke the fourth wall. This meta had a uh, um. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Blah. I, I had a theory that the aunt's husband-to-be didn't die in the war, but ran off with someone else. And that's why she went cuckoo batshit. Mm. Vengeful, evil, house, girl-eating demon. Yeah, that's why I was thinking that we were going to get a house too, because seriously, like you see the pilot get shot, but you you only see the soon-to-be husband resign himself to his fate. Oh my God. If the husband the ran off- pilot in front of him die- and then gives a face that's like, this will be an honorable death. And like, just <laughs> continues to sit there in the cockpit, de- you know, plunging to his death, I guess. The the entire time that they are in the plane, he resuscitates the uh, pilot and then they actually get back to, and they get together. And then like, that's who he leaves. Uh-huh. Yeah. I like and then it. they plunge. Yeah. So, uh, so to speak. But no, actually, because this is all about like World War II trauma. Gorgeous's mom got married and auntie was sad and all she got was this cat that has been living this whole time 
to drama. Is the themes of this movie, the generation that experienced this war taking their trauma and anger out on the subsequent generations who never had to go through what they did? It's basically yeah. turning red. <laughs> yeah. And Encanto. I was going to say it's Godzilla, but with an with your aunt is Godzilla, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Auntzilla, am I right? <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> if Godzilla had more musical numbers, I think it'd be a better movie if like that's, he was dancing on the ceiling. Yeah, that's an actual Godzilla musical. You're welcome. We're going to watch it. Wait, is that on Criterion? It should be. So we get this whole silent movie montage, which is not really silent because we're hearing a lot of like war noises. And then for the photo for Gorgeous's mom's wedding, as they take the photo, the bomb goes off. There's, it's just sort of like the war happened and it sucked. Very shorthand. Yeah. It's very shorthand. Like, you know, you know, war. That's how the aunt got house eating powers. Yeah. So the girls arrive via the cat bus, which is not actually a cat bus, but it is a bus with the cat on it. And that's probably why Blanche was on the train, because she owned the train and the bus. Like, the whole conveyance. Yes. It was for transportation. Blanche is a robber baron. Oh, yeah. It's a cat glomerate. (laughs) 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 So they arrive at the matte painting that's an actual matte painting in the middle of the country as they pan out and you see (laughs) that it's a matte painting in the middle of the countryside. I died. I died. (laughs) Multiple levels of matte paintings is just... Wild. <laughs> the painted backgrounds are really fucking nice not gonna lie it's really <laughs> funny especially when they're painted backgrounds in front of an actual background holy shit that was hysterical that was at least one of the half dozen times i turned to emily and was like <laughs> <laughs> the okay so they are trying to find the house and they come upon the local watermelon merchant like you do he is the local doomsayer of this film. Kind of like the old guy in Friday the 13th, except this guy is a delightful watermelon man. I wouldn't uh, be there. Uh, <laughs> Friday the 13th would have been a better movie if that guy had also given out watermelons. Pet <laughs> Cemetery, not a bad movie. Would have been better. I, I have never seen it. Maybe it's a bad movie. I don't fucking know. Could be terrible. Uh, but would have been better if its creepy exposition man had given out watermelons. I mean, I think watermelons make every movie better. Melons, certainly. Well, <laughs> we got those later in the movie, maybe. Look, if Scream 2 it had just had a scene where, like, fucking David Arquette and Nate, Nev Campbell have a scene where they eat watermelon together, I'd watch it. I'd <laughs> right? get it if it got deleted, but I'd sure like to see it on YouTube. <laughs> Even though I just saw it a week ago, I would believe you. <laughs> right? Yeah, Scream 3's... Uh, that's a special one in the franchise. <laughs> if you have a scene where Jay and Silent Bob fuck watermelons in Scream 3, is this true? It's not actually. I haven't seen it and I won't, so. <laughs> Jay and Silent Bob are in Scream 3 and it <laughs> melted my brain. So the girls arrive uh, now from the matte painting and the, via the uh, watermelon merchant to this beautiful bucolic setting. Auntie greets them with Shiro or with Blanche and she's in her wheelchair and they're like wow cool wow you know and then immediately Fantasy's camera breaks but she gets over it it was probably really expensive because you know it was 70s it was camera now please don't just gloss over the beautiful magic effects every time oh. they do sort of magic in this movie yes 
Yes, especially the magic effects for when Auntie uses her magic and summons electricity using the incantation of the light switch. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Anytime that there is uh, magic involved, they cut to the cat and the cat's eyes twinkle green and then something (laughs) happens. Yeah, so they go with the real end of Hellraiser one type special effects here. Oh yeah, hell yeah! This is somebody took the frames and drew on them. Yeah, Yeah. this is like old school rotoscoping, and it is beautiful. This is the kind of special effects where they try to green screen away part of someone's body, and it just starts warping and fucking with somebody else's arm. I love it. Honestly, it's fantastic. Like all of the weird body parts flying around that are obviously somebody like half painted with green screen paint. Yeah. Like my favorite is how when they want the giant disembodied lips or an eyeball, <laughs> but they can't quite get that effect. So instead right. they just like green screen someone, but like there's still a thin outline of just paste skin around it. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking I mean, of throwing things around, did anybody oh, yes. notice that Blanche was thrown onto the fence? <laughs> <laughs> somebody right off camera into the aunt's like lap when she's going through the living room. They're just like, Blanche <laughs> 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 is the only one that they throw around too. Like there's a scene when the girls are coming into the house and I don't know what they're trying to achieve. They never do it again, but it's like they want like a a bird to be flying by or something, and it's legitimately somebody just pitching something well, across the street. It comes back. They <laughs> bird down a wire that flies by behind them, and they all go, what was that? And they don't actually see the bird, but then that is the bird that the Kung Fu will fight later on. The action directing in this movie is beyond incomprehensible. <laughs> yes, speaking of which... It's, so, a real, it's a real predecessor to the board identity, I feel like. Yeah, there's a lot of jump cuts that obscure the fact that the characters aren't actually jumping, but Kung so, Fu jumps a lot. Kung Fu yeah. does jump a lot, I guess, even though I don't know if she ever gets airborne up. out of scene. Speaking of Kung Fu, after the magical light has been summoned, the chandelier goes berserk and attacks them, or maybe it just falls, but it's very chaotic. Chandelier at them. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, Kung Fu's theme comes in and she starts kicking the chandelier. She kicks it away from the girls, into the telephone, into the wall, and into a lizard on the ground. (laughs) Kung Fu continues to kick various things to protect the other girls. Sometimes rats happen. And it's unclear if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah. I'm impressed by Kung Fu's nonchalance and all of this, where every time there's a bit in this first half where Kung Fu has to kick something, she does it, and then she's like, huh, weird. (laughs) she's like not again how after every time she saves them all the other girls just start swooning over kung fu (laughs) hell yeah mood yeah i mean yeah she's protecting all of these girls because they're all useless yeah except mac because mac always has snacks that's the girl i want to hang with true well mac and kung fu so we get uh the cat meowing into if the background music that's this, that later, if somebody thinks to talk about that, because we have, okay, the cat painting is established. They have food, sweet cleans. They help auntie around the house. Uh, they get into amazing outfits and then start disappearing. First to go is Mac. Mac, Mac tries that they need watermelons. So having seen the watermelon vendor, the creepy ass watermelon vendor down the hill, 
decides to go back by herself to go buy a watermelon, comes back. And the aunt's like, oh, no, that uh, that refrigerator doesn't work. You can't put it in there. You should store it in the well. As she is storing it in the well, I guess gets killed. It's a little unclear what happened. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot yeah. of symbolic editing. And uh, when Fantasy goes to look for Mac, Mac's head flies out of the well, bites her butt, and then nuzzles it fondly. <laughs> and then spits and spits bloody water. Ugh. Not the worst first date I've been on. Definitely <laughs> also true of me. Yeah. <laughs> we've seen a lot of crazy stuff in these movies. Uh first time we've gotten ass eating in a film. <laughs> this movie is not scary. That was the one image that actually kind of unnerved me a little bit. I was like, there was something wrong about the color, like and the smile. I was just like, oh God. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I have a really nice ass, and the idea of her taking a bite out of it terrifies. <laughs> Actually, content warning, Mac, the actor, <laughs> that didn't creep me out because I was too distracted by how Fantasy's arm was all fucked up from the bad blue screen. Uh, I'm like, oh, part of your forearm got real wavy and spiky there, Fantasy. <laughs> but then it was creepy when it was like the fake head. Listener, I want you to imagine, if you will. The quality of the green screen in this film is the same quality as Tim Curry's song in The Worst Witch. <laughs> Anything could happen on Halloween. YouTube it. Sorry, yes. Now I was looking at my own silent film. Fantasy freaks out and the girls investigate and they look in the well and it's, it's, it's just a watermelon fantasy. What are you talking about? <laughs> Mac is dead. And her dead head severed came out and bit me in the ass. It takes her a lot of time to say this. Mostly she's just like, head, head. <laughs> and they're like, what are you talking about? Uh, we all have a fantasy, duh. <laughs> <laughs> like friends, you know? But I mean, fantasy's I, in shock. She just got her ass ate. <laughs> that would oh, be shocking for sure, you know? <laughs> oh, we have fun on this podcast. <laughs> I pull it up and it's not the head, it's a watermelon. And they're like, and then, fantasy. You fucking dumbass. Meanwhile, the auntie is eating the watermelon and she does this great bit where she has an eyeball in her mouth that yep. makes the eyeball look around. It's fucking fantastic. I love that at this point, the aunt is caught on that, like, their thing for fantasy is that she just imagines a lot of shit. So the aunt's like, oh, this is going to be great. I'm just going <laughs> to fuck with her the whole time. I'm going to troll. Every time she thinks she's going to tell them about it, it's like, what? <laughs> I wish she hadn't possessed Gorgeous so early in the movie. I would have liked to have seen more of the, uh, more of like her and more of her specifically fucking with Fant because it's great. Yeah. I just, I every time she makes eye contact with the audience, you know, she's like right at the camera, like, you know what's happening. I know this what's happening. She doesn't know what's happening. She's like uh -huh. doing a dance and then fantasy sees her and she dips back into the like refrigerator. Incredible. Yeah. If it's so like and she went in the refrigerator and prof opens it up and she's like, there's fucking shelves there. She did not go in the refrigerator. <laughs> the weird thing that this movie has going on is that the main character is clearly gorgeous. But the protagonist is clearly fantasy. <laughs> the main character and the protagonist are not the same character. Yep. This movie is second person narration. This movie is Gorgeous's story, like from fantasy's point of view. There you go. There you go. That's why it's this is a, my name is Ishmael shit. And can we talk go. about the dancing skeleton? 
Yeah, well, first I want to mention that there's some more insanity. The girls find ominous, ominous shit around the house. There's talking dolls, gorgeous baits with a hair demon. That's fucking terrifying. Yeah, oh, that was creepy. That was that was really bad. Because that's one instance where the movie doesn't go over the top and make it like comical about it. Like, yeah, it's just that's there. Straight up it scary. freaks you the yeah. fuck out, and then it never appears again. Like, yeah. D- it stays unknown, unlike most of the things in this movie, which become known to the point of, like, silliness. Yeah. But then... Say, any single person of that age has ominous stuff around their house. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And then the firewood attacks Kung Fu, and she kicks its ass. So then the firewood and the bird. Yeah. And we get that classic Kung Fu. Huh, weird. Well, and then she, no follow-up. She kicks <laughs> off her, her pants or whatever pants. she's going. Yep. It goes up into the air. She defeats it. She looks around and says, huh, holds out her hand while looking around and the pants fall right in. Good. Oh, yeah, that's right. God, just oh, so so fucking cool. Yeah. Oh, she does not put them back like on. Kung Fu. Like a badass. If like, you look like, at her outfit where she starts and her outfit by the end, she has lost several pieces of clothing, one after every battle. It's hot. It's summer. It's live actually. <laughs> <Clark Monica>. strip. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. It's... Thank you, Jamie. <laughs> I'm glad someone got that. Oh, man. It, it's weird to be calling gorgeous gorgeous when Kung Fu is just right here, clearly just being like the stud of the group. Oh, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, Auntie is dancing. Wait, hold on. Is that the bimbo duality? Is that what that is? Uh, yeah. <laughs> gorgeous is a bimbo. Oh, and- shit. Oh, shit. I think you're right. I guess she's a herbo. Something. A- By the All way, right. we're taking Bimbo back. Yeah. Bimbo's fine. Yeah. Yes. She's a bimbo. It's okay to be a bimbo. It's just... You heard it here, bimbo. folks. We've, we're reclaiming Bimbo. Yeah. We're reclaiming we bimbo. bimbo, Himbo, same thing. Different. No, 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 no. We- I'm a big fan of the Thembos. Yeah, that's a very, exactly. very long discussion with people on, on Twitter about this because I was talking about the word Himbo and how Himbo is supposed to be like a a gender reversal of bimbo and then it became a positive and they were like oh no it's like it's part of a four-part you know system um, yeah on one side you have male one side you have female and then opposite that you have hunky and pretty so the mendel's diagram yeah. yeah himbos are you know hunky males and you have herbos who are hunky females yes and then you have bimbos who are pretty females and then i don't know what luke Where skywalker does burnham fit in i with think all it's this. Him. that makes sense At- I don't know. I think it's multiple alleles, honestly. Luke Skywalker falls into the whiny cry bitch category. It, it, it yeah. sounds too much like the no, videos I wasn't supposed to be looking up as a teenager. <laughs> I was proposing we put a we put a, a, a non-binary, you know, thembo and everything sort of going one way on that. And then you have just like a, a fit going down the other direction where it's like not particularly hunky or pretty, but like, you know, just somebody who runs all the time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's why Mendel's diagram, while good for genetics, is not always good for Himboism. Yeah. <laughs> Anti is making no bones about being evil. <laughs> She's dancing with the skeleton. Now, the skeleton, we didn't explain. She was a p- piano teacher, so she has a grand piano. The dude was like a doctor, and so he had a skeleton. So her father. Her father so, and doctor. Yeah, so Gorgeous's grandfather and father was a doctor. Thank you. It's really hard to keep track of every cat. People at his house, 
and so had a skeleton there to help her. Look, it's not said, but presumably there's some Samuel L. Jackson, Eve's Bayou type stuff happening. I presume. These skeletons never attack anybody or do anything. They are exclusively there to be backup dancers. Yeah. They do such a good dance. He's just doing a dance like the whole time he's dancing. And yeah, and who is he dancing to? Um, My Chemical Romance. (laughs) Yes. The the weirdest part of this entire movie, of this weirdest shit movie, is Melody discovering this grand piano, playing a few tunes, and us fucking 45 years later going, wait a fucking minute. That's the beginning of Black Parade! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> this is legit where My Chemical Romance sampled this movie for the beginning <laughs> piano notes of Black Parade. And here I'm like, uh, good on you, My Chemical Romance. I, I didn't listen to them before just because it was it just passed me up like i was it wasn't listening to the to music at the time i was deaf at the time i guess because it was everywhere but yeah good job sampling house it's brilliant outside the box i love it but holy shit was i not expecting it yeah (laughs) yeah so like of all the surprise this movie had that was the one that made me go i'm sorry what the fuck (laughs) i i I think i need to rewind to make sure i'm Thinking what I think I'm seeing. That was your that was your equivalent of my Jane Silent Bob moment in Scream Three, where I was like, "What?" Like I screamed at the TV. No, that was definitely me the first time I saw that. Which is again why it's the most ridiculous thing that they try to throw like immediately after, like "Ah, dead mom, nightmare scare." It's like movie. No one's paying the fucking attention. We're all still trying to fucking process Jay and Silent Bob. <laughs> <laughs> and I know they said all this last week, but I really need to repeat because what the fuck, Scream Three? <laughs> no, it's, I, I'm still processing it. I like I. Here's the thing, everybody. Just let's have a, a serious time, serious quarter now. Pick jokes out. Yeah, jokes are going to be over here for just a second. Let's talk. Let's wrap, guys. Let's wrap. Did we Get real. The thing is about this film for me is that I get it. I understand that you were going to leave the jokes out. No, like I, this movie, like in all of its bananas-ness and literal bananas, <laughs> I'm like, oh, of course. I know what this movie is about. I know why it exists. I know what, what it's telling me. <laughs> I know where these references are. Some of them, not the, the Torah, like ramen stand thing. <laughs> I don't remember the Torah being in this movie. Honestly, at this rate, I'm sure it was in there somewhere. Probably, yeah. I hope what's coming through as we discuss all of these fucking buck wild moments is an overwhelming sense of respect. (laughs) (laughs) He set out to make a cuckoo bananas ass horny film. (laughs) That is exactly what he fucking did. They are bananas. The wildest thing to me is reading that, like, this movie is a result of, like, Jaws being real popular in America and then real popular in Japan and then going, oh, we want to do horror movies, too. And them, like, handing it over to this guy who, like, had only done music videos. They didn't want him to originally be the director, but, like, he wanted to do it. And then, like, his 
his interpretation. Well, notably, of it nobody like, else would do it. Interpretation <laughs> of it being like somebody had described what horror movies were to him, and then somehow he got that mixed up with Sailor Moon, and we like we have basically these characters who are very much like the civilian identities of the Sailor Moon characters, with, uh, with the exception of Kung Fu, they don't have any powers. As then, like they just get killed. One by one. <laughs> put these it's like realistic Sailor Moon. This is yeah, the other <laughs> they put these adorable teenage girls into this situation and then they just murder them. Like in a way that all of these characters, except maybe one, would make it through in an American horror film. None of them make it through this movie. <laughs> Gorgeous does sort of. Mm, As a murder ghost. ghost. Yeah, um, but She's a possessed like, murderer. Well, I say possessed. There wasn't much there, like, to take over in Gorgeous. I feel like non-possessed Gorgeous would still light Ryoko on fire. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Great. 100%. Gorgeous would let herself be possessed to gain the ability to set Ryoko on fire. Yeah. So I think her entire raison d'etre is now, ooh, I get to burn daddy's girlfriends? Yeah, well, I believe Gorgeous would have gone into this willingly, willingly sacrificed her friends and given up her body all just to kill her dad's girl. Well, especially because she still gets to kind of snuggle with fantasy, which, you know, start as you mean to go on. We don't know if fantasy's actually dead. I mean, fantasy is just like gorgeous. Like maybe fantasy got like eaten by gorgeous, like in Dead Alive. Yeah, fantasy had a real like, World cold and hard, titty soft and warm. Yeah. <laughs> I assume that literally as soon as the camera cuts away from her being clasped to Gorgeous's bosom, the fantasy head just explodes. Man. I don't want to say it, but if it follows the pattern of everything else in this movie, Gorgeous's boobs eat fantasy. Mm-hmm. I mean, just like in Devil. Devil Man! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Full circle. I mean, we're just waiting for the angry vaginas. And we get, we sort of get them. Um, That's why we need Houseu too. Mm-hmm. I think because Devilman is Houseu too. She, yeah, Devilman is Houseu too. <gasps> the Houseu in that one is a club for some reason. <laughs> but you know what? It's true because they, this is like the, the, the exponential growth, right? Like yeah. she did say that her friends were just tired and that they're hungry when they wake up. Yes. You know, yeah. so now the house is full of hungry ghosts. So it's just pulling people in to eat them. And then all of a sudden you end up with the club in the basement. Yeah. Devil man upstairs. Yeah. And Rio Oscar's dad buys a house. Bringing it together. Yeah. 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 Sets up shop there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We never see that there's a giant cliff behind this house. And it's covered by the painting. Club. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> they just got to move the painting out of the way. Exactly. If they ever do a live action devil man, like a real live action devil man, they're going to need to come up with a whole new rating system. There is a live action devil man movie and it is forgettably mediocre. It's oh, really, really no. bad. It needs that- to be like quadruple X rated. <laughs> How do you make devil man forgettable? They did it. That's all I have to say. <laughs> Melody is playing My Chemical Romance on the piano, and she's super entranced by it. Sweet is being beaten to death by a bedding. Gorgeous is also entranced, but by her own reflection in the mirror, 
and she's doing some like makeup and stuff. She's looking great, but then her face cracks away and there's fire underneath and it's cool and like symbolic. And there's she's like, Calcifer. <laughs> yeah, she's Calcifer. Give my chemical romance. She has not heard the news that she's dead. <laughs> yeah. Good night, everybody. You get what you deserve. <laughs> so yeah, now fantasy is still freaking out. She, Kung Fu, and Prof and Melody, they're looking for Sweet, and they find a doll that's covered in the bedding, and it is naked, and Sweet's clothes are everywhere, and they're like, are we sure it's Sweet's clothes? Let's sniff her underwear. Actually, they know it's Sweet's clothes because they identify it by Sweet's clothes, and they straight up just are like, cool panties, and then they sniff her underwear for like they five minutes. huffing. Yeah. <laughs> They're like passing it on the left hand side. <laughs> this was one movie where you watch some of that shit. Have to reach very <laughs> far to find queer and content. <laughs> I, I didn't oh. know if this was going to be a tracking thing. Like they were all sniffing their panties and then they were just going to be like, this way, it smells like her vagina <laughs> down this hallway. <laughs> <laughs> no, it really seems to be much more. It's like, yup, these are sweets, all right. <laughs> I mean, they've done this before. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like werewolf senses engage. <laughs> Put in the gay and engaged. It's definitely putting the gay and engaged. <laughs> also, I forgot there's a point before this where Melody goes to the bathroom and like fantasy's still freaking out. And then Melody's hand appears through the door like <laughs> like it's spookily disembodied. Yeah. And it's like fantasy. Fantasy. And Fanny's like, oh God, I got Melody too. It's her hand. And she's like, no, I'm just taking a shit. I need toilet paper. <laughs> The weirdest fake out. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway. In a spare square. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually more frightening. Girls, shit. <laughs> it's like the, the Star Wars fake out when that the, the iron comes down on the uniforms. <laughs> fantasy has a fantasy of Mr. Togo coming to rescue them. This will not happen. Mr. Tokyo is yeah. stuck in traffic in Tokyo, I guess. Where and we get then the worst to get the ramen with the bear. Yeah. And we also get this terrible character who is insulting Mr. Togo's objectively awesome car. It's a go kart. Yeah, that guy. This car is, needs to calm down. I know. Car is of the coolest part of Mr. Togo. Yeah. Mr. Togo's whole deal feels like it's referencing. Famous Japanese comedy dynamics that I have no understanding or context for. Yeah. yeah that feels right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah this is actually where the guy's like, get that car off of the road. And he's like, I'm sorry, I'm in traffic. Like, <laughs> there's another car in front. <laughs> yeah. When it's he could like, easily just pick it up, it's probably just fused to his ass and he could just stand up and the car would like just hurt. He's already got exactly. the bucket fused to his ass. Yeah. Meanwhile, Prof, Fantasy and Kung Fu now find Melody and her finger has been eaten by, the fingers have been eaten by the piano. She seems okay with it until it starts devouring her completely. And it's like doing some crazy uh, psychedelic shit where the, the keys are lighting up and it's going nuts. This is to me the legitimately like the most terrifying image of it like the special effects are actually kind of effective here of melody's like bin off fingers and her creepy smiling through it is like a whole extra yes. level of just really psychological disturbing on top of the gore oh the yeah i know eating scene is actually what attracted me to the movie because i tried looking it up 
when I saw that it was playing at the Criterion Festival and I didn't know anything about it. I just, it looked, the promotional image for it looked weird. And I looked it up and it was just a short little clip of her being eaten by the piano. And I was like, yo, 130, all going to be in that theater. Person like jaggedly bites off a few of her fingers and she is kind of cool with that, I guess. She, either she's cool or in shock. Yeah. And then like, and then it decides to eat the whole her and she had pieces of her are bouncing around inside the piano uh, as, as we look down on it. And uh, then her head rolls in to be like, oh, naughty. Yeah. <laughs> it was very, it was very uh, like a nightmare at Elm Street death scene. <laughs> Yes. Like orchestrated by Freddie. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although, yeah, the only thing I could see or hear for this whole scene in my head was screw my chemical romance. This is Tom Waits straight up. The piano has been drinking. <laughs> <laughs> it's like nightmare five level goofiness, but nightmare three level goodness. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's like. The creepiest image in the movie with the fingers being bitten off is then immediately pushed to 11 and taken so far around that it's like laughably like, again, self-aware in its humor. Well, she, like, she's literally commenting about how it's unnecessarily sexual. <laughs> <laughs> which Her legs are sticking out and going every which way and the piano just keeps chomping on her. This is a nude chest, which is unclear if it's hers or just a... I mean, the house has been eating a lot of girls, so it could be anybody at that This movie criticizing sexual exploitation in horror films (laughs) is some real cabinet in the woods type shit. (laughs) (laughs) This was the point where I had to start looking at people's ages, because I was like, I'm not comfortable with this. (laughs) (laughs) They're not really teenagers. This is where you get to, like, HBO Max. Am I going to get arrested for watching HBO Max? The fuck? (laughs) (laughs) It's the fucking catch a predator trap. How soon? Right? (laughs) I love the delivery of that. It sounds like a radio station. HBO Max. The fuck? (laughs) 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 Fucking in the morning. Coming to you live. Yes. <laughs> it's the Auntie and the Skeleton Show. <laughs> oh my God. I would fucking listen to that every Oh my morning. God. Seriously. They have the cat song. That's right. Because the cat plays a piano earlier and it's just the cat like jumping on the piano, like just walking across the piano. Uh, yeah. It's like, you know, going back and forth with the, the loop. And then they play the song with the cat sounds because, you know, Ready of course. Mix. Exactly. And another scene where they chuck a cat. Into- oh my God, the chucking of the cat. Can you they imagine the cat person it in, it. in the <laughs> credits? That your job in the credits on this movie is cat chucker. Uh, I mean, Animal Wrangler, sure. I'm sure the cat got better. The cat turned out better than the cat in Milo Notice, but it's also <laughs> Japanese production. A Milo and Otis reference, damn. <laughs> that was That'd an be- incredible journey. The deep cut. <laughs> right? That movie God is dang. fucked up. I can't <laughs> believe they let kids watch that movie. That's a horror movie because there's so much animal abuse happening in that movie. And everyone's like, do do do, little orange cat in a pug nose pup. We're going to kill five million cats and maybe dogs. <laughs> Jamie's face right now. <laughs> Jamie's face is incredible. <laughs> Kesha song, isn't it? Yeah. No, I don't know. I don't think Kesha was a cat. So, the consumption of melody by the piano prompts Prof Fantasy and Kung Fu to finally panic 
<laughs> uh, and they find the clock, which is full of uh, sweets remains. So, and they're like, well, before they find the clock, they find gorgeous, right? She wanders down and is like, hey, guys, I'm going to go get help. And then wanders outside and locks the door behind her. Oh, well, no, before, right before that, we get this point. the great moment of her going, I'll call the police. And then she picks up the phone and just disembodied screaming is on the other line. <laughs> and, and then Gorgeous goes, oh, the, they're not picking up. <laughs> <laughs> this scene is so slow and it's also like a really low frame rate. That was the one shot that worked. I mean, it has to be that they recorded the dialogue like after the fact and they only had this one shot like it needs to last long enough yeah. for all of the dialogue to be said it goes on so long with this weird like awful frame rate i actually had to like check that my hbo wasn't like glitching out on my phone because they're tripping and gorgeous is entranced and they're all entranced and that's there's a reason for it okay probably already dead at this point yes yeah so she's just already burned up yeah, yeah. Mattered, and there was fire inside of where she was. And now there is only Auntie. I mean, she's either dead at this point or was the protagonist in a Katy Perry music video. I'm not sure which it is. <laughs> I mean, it's fire a inside. <laughs> so anger transfer. The house is now like shutting them all in with a bunch of war noises. And they're mm. fre- now they're like straight freaking out. And now it's impervious to kicking because like Kung Fu's like, I know what to do. I will kick. I will kick and then I think the door is closed and Kung Fu's like, I know what to do with closed doors. <laughs> but she can't get through. They find Sweet inside the clock and yeah. they're just like, Oh, I'm so sorry, Sweet, which would not be my reaction. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> what the fuck? Let's get her out of the clock, I guess. It's pretty spooky. Like the whole clock with the gears and stuff, like in another film, that would be legit horrifying. It was already kind of spooky in this case, but like the idea of the house like eating her and then we're watching her being processed by its organs and there's these gears and it's all like bloody and crunchy. I did have to ask myself, did the mattresses pick her up and put her in the clock? Yeah, because I had previously thought she had been turned into the doll. Viewer, Mm -hmm. I, I really need to be clear to the viewer on something. If you're just hearing Emily's description of the scene and going, wow, that does sound really horrific and gruesome that sounds like a really disturbing scene i need you to understand while all this is going on the lightning of the scene is just rapidly changing between different pastel colors yeah yeah. straight up the blood in the scene does appear in a combination of seemingly wet different colors dripping down and somebody just drawing blood on the the frame itself. The drawing yeah. in the blood has starts that's in the that's so fucking awesome. starts in the melody like scene because like melody is in the piano and there's a bunch of blood in there and it is very clearly that somebody has just taken a red sharpie and colored blood into the scene. Good. <laughs> yeah, it's animated. Like there's some animated blood. It's pretty special. This movie is delightful. So fantasy trips trips out and. Then we see Mr. Togo at the noodle bar. Togo interlude. Yeah. Yeah. And and A then Togolude, if you will. Yeah. Interlude. Hey. You think he got the noodles to go? He definitely got them to go. Yeah. I see what you did there. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, everybody. So anyway, Prof is, has found a diary and now using the diary and science question mark, not really, to try to solve the mystery. 
And it doesn't work because now Gorgeous's giant head and mouth and eye, while um, sadly not singing a late night double feature picture show, Alas. is giving us the exposition that the aunt is now a hungry ghost and she's pissed off that she never got married. So she, you know, she, as the house, eats unmarried girls and women. I love <laughs> the giant gorgeous head effect. It's as silly and as unconvincing as everything else, but it's just so like, yes, go out of your way to be doing silly stuff. Like, mm. you didn't need to be making this a ridiculous effect, but you did. And that's why I respect and love you, House. Exactly. It also has this essence of like the Hokusai manga where you have like the the yokai parade where everything is like weird and there's like skeletons, but there's also like giant heads and goofy shit. And like walls that talk and like umbrellas with eyeballs. Like these are all ghosts, but they're all like, I kind of want to hug that. Like the lanterns that have mouths and eat your face. Like I'm kind of like, that's cute. This umbrella with a foot is cute as fuck. Right. <laughs> but yeah, it does. It does evoke like the old prints of like the giant ghost head, like attacking all of the kabuki actors. And they're like, oh, fuck, you know. The the cat painting also goes nuts. And this is where we get the iconic image that we see a lot on the house posters, which is the like crazy Joker smiling cat painting that's like mm-hmm. coming at them. Because um, it was Blanche all along. Yeah, Blanche is sort of like the vehicle for the aunt's ghost. Where she's a, she's so a witch. It's just like a streetcar named Desire. Yes. Mm-hmm. I, I assume. I've only seen the Simpsons episode where it's Blanche. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Me too, actually. (laughs) So all of the appliances, objects, furniture, everything that's not like nailed to something in this house starts attacking them. And Kung Fu does a pretty good job of kicking it and manages to kick them away until the lamp, which is not a chandelier, it's just a regular old lamp, starts eating her. And it grabs her by the head and she's struggling and and Prof and Fantasy are like, get it, get it, Kung Fu, get it. And she's like, I'm fucking trying. (laughs) <laughs> but she's, yeah, anytime they want to help give yeah. her a hand folks <laughs> i know they could have like pulled her i don't know but then she's up there and then she sees like this tripped out world full of angry ghosts and she's like looking through and there's all these like faces and it's fucking cool as hell but then she realizes all of the angry ghosts of the dead girls that have been eaten by this house are like you are our salvation I assume this, I assume they say this to her because of what she does next. I don't think there's any actual like communication that is shown other than (laughs) her looking at them and then showing the cat painting. But apparently the weak point of this house is the cat painting. So in her final coup de gras, her disembodied legs flying kick the cat painting as uh, Jamie's doing like a, I wish we could do a video. Disembodied legs. We all have them. Yeah. <laughs> also, like in Devil Man, where Siren fucking shoots her hand at the guy. Okay. So, um, her disembodied legs fly at the cat painting, and then it's defeated? Question mark. Like, there's a lot of imagery that shows, like, oh no, it's upset and it's gotten hit and it hates it, and then it starts vomiting blood. Yeah, it seems like it's defeated, but also like that doesn't matter. Yeah, it's now pissed. The pissed off cat. Yeah. 
Meanwhile, Togo finally meets the melon merchant. He's finally there. He finally got there. Togo tries to drive up to the house, and it has been so shrouded in fog and everything that he cannot find it. He can't get to it, but he does get to the melon merchant. And the melon merchant asks <laughs> if, he, if he wants watermelons. And he says, no, I don't like watermelons. And this has such an effect on this man that he falls backwards and turns into a skeleton. Yeah. <laughs> because apparently he one- likes bananas. It was his one weakness. It's like a Rumble Stiltskin thing. Like the only thing, all you have to do is ask him for something other than watermelons. I guess it's a good thing that like the only person who had been around in ten years was back. Because it seems to be that like this gatekeeper can be defeated, by, or like this entryway feeder can just be defeated by having a preference for any other fruit. <laughs> this man has to be a ghost because how much business is he making out at his watermelon farm? Especially considering we, we learned that there are no more people there. Yeah. As the aunt has literally eaten all the teenage girls that were in the area. So everybody else, I guess, was like, well, all of our teenagers keep dying. So... We- Maybe we get the hell out of Dodge. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, the watermelon guy, like, I don't know if he's part of the Raccoon City. But the watermelon guy turns into a skeleton, but then turns Togo into his true form, which is just a bunch of bananas on top of each other. So, I mean, I guess it's sort of don't like a, a hat, though. Yeah. <laughs> a pile of bananas in a car with a hat. That man is a bunch of bananas in a hat. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, yes. And that's going to be like an insult I use from now on. Like someone's going to be saying something stupid. I'll be like, ah, you're nothing but a pile of bananas in a hat. (laughs) (laughs) Suddenly, Mr. Han, I would like to leave your island. (laughs) Suddenly, Dracula, I find your manners as the cognac is distasteful as your manners. (laughs) Man, you come straight out of a comic comic book. Man, you come straight out of a pile of bananas. <laughs> the cat painting is starts with uh, vomiting blood. Oh my god! Right house. <laughs> the cat painting is vomiting blood, and uh, lupus. The uh, right, that's a house joke. I don't think this is lupus. Oh yeah, lupus. It's never lupus. We, we diagnosed oh. the situation. It was ghost kitty painting, not lupus. It's not lupus. So the cat is throwing up blood. House is full of blood. And this is where we lose Prof. Is in the blood. And then it, it she loses her glasses and they're clothes. What is that thing that bites her? A vase? A jar, a vase, something like that? It's a, um, oh. the old tooth jar. Yeah. Oh, it's it's her thermos. Ah. Her thermos bites her. The good it, old thermos dentata. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> It's Chekhov's thermos, but I'm not sure if it was ever set up or anything. It was, actually. <laughs> um, Changing my Twitter name to Thermos Dentata. <laughs> okay, so now Prop is swimming around in the blood, and we see her vagina, and her, her clothes just disintegrate. And then there's several shots of, of this character who's supposed to be a teenage girl naked in the water. Um, yeah, and like this is the thing though, is that a lot of these shots with the characters naked aren't like sexy. Like not particularly sexualized, but they are yeah. explicit. Like, they are yeah. very explicit. Yeah. What the fuck was filming the like like this is a scene where she had to be very underwater and very naked. Like this is a scene that required either a lot of communication or a lot of abuse. 
there's a lot of weird nudity in like 60s and 70s Japan, like Toho films. Like if you watch any of the Prisoner 701 movies, like there's a lot of like just women in prison naked for no reason in that movie. And those well, there's, it, uh, there, the toplessness, like with European films, like toplessness is not as sexualized. Although, you know, when you have a lot of women running around topless and it's a movie where there's like sexy ladies, like, yeah, but the, the toplessness is less taboo for non-American. Yeah. Thing. This movie is just like if Pee Wee's Playhouse suddenly had a vagina in it. Like this is how this <laughs> feels. Yeah. Did that never happen in Pee Wee's Playhouse? <laughs> there is a, a stage version of Pee Wee's Playhouse where Pee Wee and his friend use mirrors on their shoes to look up the skirt of one of their friends. Oh, oh God. And they're like, I want to look at your underwear. And she's like, I'm not wearing underwear. And they're like, aww. And then they give up. Sounds like a writing prompt, honestly. Right? <laughs> <laughs> there is a stage version of Pee Wee's Playhouse in which dot, dot, dot. <laughs> so, look it up Larry Fishburne is in it it eventually oh, leads Larry to Fishburne. a seven season show on the CW <laughs> oh god so, a darker version of Pee Wee's Playhouse I mean that's how Riverdale happened a guy made an unlicensed like fucked up adult play of Archie characters was sent a cease and desist letter and then 15 years later they let him make the actual show Oh, that's right. This is my devil man. This is my devil man future that I want for myself that I'm trying to make. Make your dreams a reality. Yeah. Don't let your dreams be dreams. Don't dream it, be it. <laughs> um, so fantasy is trapped on a floating door like Rose DeWitt. Two people fit on that fucking door. Actually, yes! Two people do fit on Rose's door. This is a panel, like a closet panel. And I'm pretty sure that like the weight of two people would submerge this thing. Fantasy is trapped and Gorgeous appears in wedding clothes to save her, but she just kind of grabs her and then like nuzzles her into her bosom. As we've known since the very beginning of this movie, fantasy's fantasy is gorgeous. Yeah. And she got what she wanted. Ain't so she that's was saved. Truth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Gals that are howls. Mm -hmm. So the sun rises and here comes Ryoko with her streaming scarf. <laughs> and she discovers the banana pile and she's like huh yeah the whole ass music video on the way into this scene yeah she's just like posing and enjoying the countryside and having a great time I, is she selling a car is like what is happening here yeah she she does everything very slowly yeah a car it's or a watch or they, they shot this extra sure. footage so they could insert it into whatever commercial that the director was doing next. He was like, oh, yeah. We got it's the time. Run the set. Just do it. Just it's definitely it. a co commercial direction here. She shows up and she's like, oh, hey, Gorgeous. And Gorgeous is like, oh, hey, you. Let me finish opening all of the fucking doors before we have a conversation. With yeah. significant eye contact. Yeah, it's very slow and deliberate. And then Ryoko's like, didn't you have like friends here? And Gorgeous is like, don't worry about it. And They're then tired. Yeah. There's sleep. She makes a reference that makes it sound like maybe they're still alive or like undead. Maybe they're haunting the place too. I think like, they are. Oh, they're asleep. When they're hungry, they'll they, wake up. They take over one of the items in the house. Yeah. 
It's a Beauty and the Beast type situation. Like, I'm telling you, this is legit the precursor to that Devilman OVA. This is the disco house. This is the disco. Or it's it's like the fucked up version of Be Our Guest. <laughs> Where they're like, Be Our Guest, I'll fuck you up. But yeah, Gorgeous is, uh, immolates uh, Ryoko to it at this folk ballet. Sit down to have a nice conversation. Gorgeous seems to be chill, even though she is a, a hungry ghost, we know at this point. They sit down to talk, and, and Ryoko just catches fire and burns silently. <laughs> she does not scream or run around or anything like that. She just becomes fire. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing that happens in the house, right? Yeah, you just, like, become fire. And by fire, we mean fire is superimposed over your silhouette yeah. at, through rotoscoping on the film. I am become fire. And then the ant shows up again and is like, love lives on forever. And then we get the credits. <laughs> Bit of a strange ending for a pretty strange movie. So it all I mean, balances out in the end. Exactly. <laughs> then we go to like just the, we cut to the very happy 60s music over like everybody jumping on screen and doing their, you know, as if it were a play, like they're jumping onto the, uh, you know, doing their final bows. Man, they fucked it up, though, like, in a good way. Like, they they straight up, like, they did their best. They were our guest. <laughs> um, they put our minds to the test. They sure, they put our credulity to the test. <laughs> in a world full of wonder, let House Who do the rest. <laughs> yeah, For those who can't see, cinema. Pure we have a cinema. slow clap from the Ben corner here. <laughs> Thank you, Ben. There's a reason Criterion picked this up because they recognized true art. And they were like, y'all motherfuckers need to see this shit. It is. <laughs> yes. So, like, it true. is legitimately art. I mean, we talk about the special effects and how weird and wacky and unrealistic they are. They're clearly not trying to be realistic. And it honestly is kind of breathtaking just in the sheer range of practical effects. Like, any possible method of trying to tell insane visual storytelling without the aid of computers is employed in this movie. Yeah. And it's stylistically it fits. Like that's the thing is that they totally the get go. It's not a movie that's trying to make a special effect look like something that they couldn't figure out how to make it look good. This is like, okay, we know we have these effects. We know our capabilities within this. So we just have to make it blend in. Yeah. They understood the assignment. Hear about realism. Like, it, it's just like, yeah, it's fucked up and weird. Isn't that scary? Do you, like, yeah. Isn't that the point? I mean, it kind of, it kind of it's too late for this to happen, obviously, because he is dead. But I would love to have seen Nobuhiku Abayashi and Clive Barker work on something together and like what the fuck would that look like? Oh god, Whoa. that would have been so a Hellraiser though. done in this style. Holy shit. Yeah, I mean the first Hellraiser is almost in this style. They just Honest try really hard. Yeah. Um, yeah, and they have better like practical effects in the first Hellraiser, but they also I mean, aren't, except like, for those like final <laughs> climax yes. that would be yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Special but, effects like, goes Yeah. I mean, they do have that part where the body like literally inflates, and that shit is absolutely like, amazing. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, yeah, that's the best. So incredible. Itself is incredible. The uh, the clearly drawn on lightning that's rotoscoped onto the film. Uh, I so just much. want Pinhead to team up with Blanche. 
Don't then just throw that cat around. I have such delight. <laughs> <laughs> I have such cats to throw at you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, are the, pla- the pain and the cat is the pleasure. There you go. And not in a sexual way because that's gross. But like. It's a yeah. metaphor. Or pussy. It's. <laughs> okay. And we've gone this whole time. I've not talked about the fact that the cat's name is Blanche, which is. Blanche, the French word for white. What color is the cat? White. Well, the cat's name in Japanese, they call her Shido, which means white. So which, oh, just going along with that whole naming convention. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not very creative, but I do like the fact that it is Blanche because it's like posh, you know, yeah. French. You know, it's like the Princess Bride, but not the movie, the book, where they actually describe Buttercup as not long on imagination for she named her horse Horse. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, at least Gorgeous didn't... I mean, everybody's named, like, Gorgeous and Mac and shit, for starters. Yeah. yeah. I think we got away pretty well without the cat just being called Kitty. <laughs> um, Neko-chan! Ne- yeah, exactly. <laughs> she don't Neko-chan, even. But. Yeah. So, is this movie feminist? <laughs> so, is this movie feminist? Well, are women the majority of the cast? Yes. Yes. Are women both the protagonist and the antagonist? Yes. The aunt has agency sort like of. a motherfucker. Yes. Yeah. And the aunt is amazing. Uh, and though the aunt characters... doesn't turn into an evil girl-killing spinster because Look, she's not married. To quote oh, yeah. a very, very, very good yeah. friend of mine. We Some real misogyny. We also support women's wrongs. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that is true feminism. You know, I don't think it's, I don't think this movie quite gets that. No. <laughs> Do female characters one? have depth and agency? <laughs> the, one of the, them. Yeah. Much as anybody else. Max actor had to do more than giggle and scream. Does the movie pass the Bechdel test? Oh, yeah. Yes. Definitely. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So. All the time. I think this movie has a complex relationship <laughs> with feminism. <laughs> It also has a complex relationship with reality. Reality? No, yeah. Sure. <laughs> so the, the, fe- the feminism is just about as uh, deep as the characters are. There are ladies in it. This movie's about trauma. Uh, Auntie is in a wheelchair until she eats people. Yeah. And then so, she like, walk. I'm not sure there's a meaningful look at, at disability here, but <laughs> it's bad, if anything, from a disability. <laughs> She's using stem cells. It's fine. That's fine. It's medicine. Yeah, we got to accept that. No, but yeah, it's not. It's it, it doesn't really present uh, physical disability meaningfully or well. Mac is not presented to have an eating disorder. She just eats a lot. They fat shame her, but she is proud of her appetite. She describes herself as healthy, which I think is true. She comes way up. Yeah. And the term ganky, which translates literally to healthy, is also a uh, a word that's used for people being attractive. I don't know if at the time it was sort of a, a underhanded comment like, you know, oh, yeah, they, you look very healthy, you know, the way that people do now, which they shouldn't, because if you look healthy, that's good. Yeah, But Genki doesn't just mean healthy, but also means energetic. It means fun. It means charismatic. And that is Mac. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's kind um, of okay, right? Like, it's doing good. Yeah. From yeah, my I mean, understanding. My limited understanding. 
Yeah, but Genki, like when you ask somebody like, oh, Genki Deska, it's like, are you doing well? But it's more than that. I just wanted to mention that in, in relation to like this dichotomy between the fat shaming and then like Mac's actual attitude about herself. Like she's not down on herself about it. Racial social justice. <laughs> okay. Um, LGBTQIA. <laughs> Very queer. I don't know if it knows that it is. Uh, yeah, I. But it it's exceedingly sure. queer. Yeah, oh, so queer. Yeah, so it's camp and it's queer. In my notes, I talk about S class or class S, whatever, whichever one you say was. Does the S come first? I don't know. It's not just a car. There is a, a phenomenon in Japanese pop culture, uh, especially in the seventies, when there's like a lot of this shojo manga coming out, like nineteen seventy. 877, I think, was right around. We got like Rose of Versailles. There's a lot of kind of interesting queer coded shoujo manga that has certain sexual themes, but are not explicitly sexual. Sort of the uh, origin of stuff like Revolutionary Girl Utna, which is the uh, the 90s equivalent. Nothing sexual about that. <laughs> Everything is sexual about that. <laughs> the, the show, it's like coded. The movie, it's like, what? <laughs> it, it's like queer plus <laughs> that's I, mean, plus. I was three mi minutes into this movie house and i was like mm, queer coding <laughs> okay yeah <laughs> yeah like right off the bat you got just gorgeous and fantasy being real real sapphic with each other oh yeah fantasy's like we're great friends you're very fuckable <laughs> wait what oh, so it Wikipedia says that S-class refers to platonic relationships between girls. That's not true. It's gay. Uh, I, 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 gay. The S is right there. It gives it right yeah. away. It's for sapphic. <laughs> it's for... Yeah. Well, it's, there's a bunch of stuff it's for. Yeah, so this like, is essentially like the 70s Japanese equivalent of gal pals. It means they're straight, but that's not what it means. <laughs> it means exactly what you think it means. <laughs> yeah. People so, are trying real hard to pretend that it's straight. Mm-hmm. Now it is used as a term for the kind of like how young girls are kind of expected to explore same-sex relationships in like not necessarily sexually in like high school and early college. So it's kind of like how college was a time for everything. It's sort of the colloquial, from what I understand, a uh, colloquial usage of the S-class genre term. And a lot of this stuff comes from the 70s. Also, kawaii culture like the Sanrio Kawai culture, there's a certain rebellious feminism aspect to that with young girls who were trying to adopt this Kawai culture, trying to be cute because it was not proper. So it is kind of punk rock in a way because a lot of high school girls were trying to assert their own identities and be involved in, in pop culture, in popular media and stuff like that, which is a relatively new opportunity for them. So... The kawaii culture is reactionary. And so I feel like there's some of that in this film, you know, with it being about teenage girls and them sort of having these cute names and everything. It's not and, and how like fun and bubbly everything is in terms of the colors and the, the psychedelic imagery and everything like that and the fun music and the just goofiness of it. I think that's about as feminist as the movie gets is that it refers to that because these girl characters do have personality and stuff going on with them that is more than just like subdued like there's no subtlety here yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's, no it's interesting because it's not explicitly queer but also like if you look at a lot of yuri anime and manga and stuff there's this very like weird kawaii like 
can two girls be together and love each other? I've never heard of this. Like in every one of those stories, that's like, oh, it's a thing that we don't know about, but I have this love for my friend. It's not a romantic love though. Is it? Is that <laughs> possible? <laughs> yeah. Spoilers. It is. Yeah. <laughs> Does this movie deal with class? Not really. Other than the fact that the aunt lives in a fucking castle. In the country. Um, and apparently the dad is a better singer. <laughs> yeah. And the dad's got that mad, mad Sergio Leone money. <laughs> yeah, Gorgeous' family on both sides, I guess, is fucking loaded. But we don't know anything about the rest of her friends and where they come from. If anything, they're like, they seem to be like, well, actually, Gorgeous' family is fucking loaded. Yeah, right? <laughs> Yeah, and that's the only real like family that we see. I think Mr. Tojo or like cars I'm supposed sure to be nice. Their but... parents all just have the same one character trait that their kids do. <laughs> I mean, quite clearly because they didn't have anything to say about them just hopping off to the country. <laughs> and whose parents both run a dojo, and you know. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Emily. Uh, Mr. Togo's car. Oh, it's it's nice. I think it's supposed to be nice. It is nice. It is a nice car. Man, what were Japanese creepy high school teacher salaries like in the 70s? You could afford a nice car. Yeah. A car that'll have truckers yelling at you for having such a tiny car. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty sure that dude has an inheritance that he's milking. That character the yells at him is listed in the credits as ramen trucker. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's all about. That's like a a truck of ramen. I mean,. I mean, at this point, we've already hypothesized that Togo is dead, so... Who knows? Togo is a dead that he has the cumulative brain power of bananas. Yeah. I mean, but he had that to start. <laughs> That's true. The question is whether Togo has been a pile of bananas the whole time. <laughs> and I mean, what if Togo... Has Togo just been a pile of bananas in a trench coat, and he just had the trench coat taken away? He was like, that pile of bananas is so hot. <laughs> That's probably why she was into him. Yeah. Pile of bananas riding on a horse. Just... <laughs> yeah, I find it easier to believe that fantasy is into a pile of bananas than I do fantasy is into a man. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Do we have any other talking points that I've missed? Do we have to we have to let people know whether they should see this? <laughs> <laughs> yes. 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 I, if you haven't picked up what we're putting down. If you listen to this podcast all the way through and you're like, I don't know, this really doesn't sound for me. I I don't know what the fuck to tell you. It's like, what have you been listening to? (laughs) Because how did you make it this far in the podcast? You will not know what you were watching, but you should absolutely watch it. (laughs) If you enjoyed us talking about it enough to get to this part of the podcast <laughs> you absolutely need to see it yeah i will tell you i was a little worried because this was my second time seeing the movie and i was like i think it makes more sense this time because <laughs> uh, <laughs> i was watching it and i was like no i actually get how these things are strung together it, it's the type of movie that only gets better with every watch yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's just shit happening constantly. It ages like a fine wine. Like it, it's been a good like over a decade since I've seen it. And it's still as good, if not better than I remember. Nice. It really feels like somebody described what a horror movie is <laughs> to this director secondhand. And he was like, <laughs> OK, teenagers, haunted house, they all get killed. Got it. 
Nailed it. And like yeah. what he ended up with is so far from what like <laughs> the the trend in something like this was at the time here that like yeah. it's just it it just feels like a movie made via telephone. <laughs> like, it, oh yeah. It, Jaws it ain't. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely not Jaws. Jaws and I concise to the point by the end. <laughs> Jaws, not particularly gay. <laughs> Certainly and not I feel specific. like you need to watch this with friends and like food and snacks and yep. beer and all that. Oh, kind this of is shit. A, I definitely gave this nine dead girlfriends eaten by gorgeous out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> I like this rating system. Yeah, it's good. Rating this is a clever one. So we recommend this movie. <laughs> yes, definitely. If you like this movie, and if you've seen this movie or listened to our podcast about it, and like what you see slash heard, mm-hmm. you may also like what we're about to talk about. <laughs> Jamie, oh. you're the first on the list that I have on my document. Um. <laughs> wow, I just looked up trippy horror movies on Google and House was the first one to come up. Uh, that tracks. If you like the movie, I recommend you watch House. The medical series starring you, Lori. Because <laughs> it won't be lupus. <laughs> I'm it sorry, lupus. Jamie, I'm sorry. I interrupted just to be a fucking chair. Oh, no. Did uh, you know that the house theme song has fucking lyrics? I didn't know okay. that. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, uh, really it's a massive attack song. Yeah, it's a massive attack song. And I heard that at the gym the other day. I was like, what the fuck are they singing about? This isn't about lupus. The house theme song is Teardrop? Yeah. yeah. Awesome. It, oh. It's, oh, it's fucking great. That's a classic. Yeah. Like, holy shit. I, I didn't know. So, Jamie, what do you recommend? <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so sorry. No, I'm it's so okay. If you like random titties for no reason and martial arts, there's a tokusatsu series called Garo. There are many versions of Garo. All of them feature random titties for some reason. And it's like a, it's a tokusatsu series that they air at midnight. So they're allowed to have like random nudity. But it's kind of related to House. It has all the the similar tropes of like random demons possessing items that attack you. And but there's body horror. There's martial arts. There's transformation sequences. So it's like you can see the bones of, of House influencing this type of tokusatsu. So And there's a, a golden knight in a lion costume with a big fucking sword. It's dope. I'm looking at it right now. It's dope as hell. The the priests have these brushes instead of wands. So like they use paint brushes to do their magic. It's fantastic. There's like eight different seasons. There was a anime. There was a cartoon version. There's a bunch of movies. So like hop in anywhere and then go back and watch some more. And it's they're short. They're not like anime seasons where it's like 85 episodes. It's it's maybe like 20 if that. So nice. Garo. That's dope. Yeah. <laughs> Bronwyn. What do you recommend? All right. Okay. I went sort of surrealist on this based on the experience that I had watching this movie. I recommend pretty much any comic coming out of Young Animal, <laughs> but specifically Doom Patrol and Shade the Changing Girl. I got that sensation from as I was reading. Oh, I love those books. Right? Shade the Changing Girl. So, so, so good. So good. If you want something that's just as surreal, but a little bit more literary, I Crawl Through It by A.S. King. 100% would recommend. It's like it got a helicopter that is totally invisible. It's actually red. You can only see it on Tuesdays. How do you not love that? 
very excellent excellent book. So that is what I would recommend. All right, Steve. House is by far one of the most what the fuck movies I've ever seen in my life. Like for all that I've seen since, I guess, 2009 or whenever it was that I saw it, watching it again reminded me like, this is the most fucked up movie you've ever seen. But I would like to recommend, Ben, you said it earlier, Jacob's Ladder, I think is a, is a really good companion piece, especially if you want to really dive into some of the more cerebral aspects of how to. Ben, you go. All right. So if you want another movie that is bad on purpose <laughs> with spe- full of special effects that are both innovative and not at all believable and is so fucking what the fuck at every single turn, I'm going to recommend Kung Pao Enter the Fist. <laughs> wow. Oh, I was not expecting that. Oh, I really... I drew a comparison at some point watching this movie between the way Kung Fu lives her life and Kung Pao enter the fist. <laughs> but it just has a very similar like feel to it. Amazing. And, yeah, that, another connection. I'm just thinking about like this guy being like, I'm going to edit myself into this movie. <laughs> Semi-believably. <laughs> That's a pretty great like meta parallel there too. Because this movie is um, about as believable and <laughs> about as ridiculous. I, I, it's my turn, I guess. What I'm actually going to just strongly recommend over everything else is the book Little Boy by Takashi Murakami, who is a Japanese fine artist. And he talks about the definition of his whole artist statement in this book, but it also catalogs a bunch of different cultural icons and moments in Japanese history and media that reflect his essay about his his super flat thesis, which is basically about the absurdism that re- results from the trauma of World War II, which I think is very strong in this film. I can't remember if they talk about House in Little Boy, but it basically is this really cool like, kind of t- coffee table book that talks about each of these things. Like it talks about, I can't, I think it's article 23 or something, like the, whatever the article is that pro- prohibits Japan from having a standing army. It talks about the sort of holy prefecture mascots that each uh, prefecture in town has and like their personalities and like how these mascots represent each region and all this kind of stuff. And Evangelion's in there. Got a lot of stuff, a lot of fine, other fine artists that are referred to in there. So, but if you're trying to figure out what the fuck with a lot of this stuff, like if you watch anime and you're like, what the fuck? Or you watch House and you're like, what the fuck? This book kind of provides some of the fuck. <laughs> some of the fuck. Here the fuck. Here the fuck, in fact. Here the fuck. Here the fuck, Des. <laughs> Title of my biography. <laughs> this is the fuck that I found. It is the last one. <laughs> so, Jeremy. Yes. All right. So, so there's nothing exactly like house. That's why I chose it. But there are several things that register on a similar scale in different ways. We've talked about it briefly before. I know Emily has recommended before Wild Zero which has the similar feel of like 
a horror movie as described by somebody else and then filmed because it, it's kind of comedy and it's kind of horror and it's like i don't know what they were going for but it's fun and wild i feel like there are a lot of countries that have this because you know uh house and wild zero or japan's version suspiria and then demons are italy's oh, version uh, demons it's about it's an italian movie uh bit racist let's put that out there there's yeah there are three black characters one of them is a pimp and the other two are prostitutes oh boy um, that's right oh my god i forgot about, about that. A, a theater full of people who watch a movie about people getting possessed by demons that in turn possesses the people in the theater with demons and then you know a handful of people are trying to survive as the, you know, the rest of the people around them turn to demons it does have a climactic scene of a man and a woman riding around the theater on a motorcycle chopping off people's heads with a katana if sounds that like sells it i don't <laughs> if that doesn't sell it for you i don't know what will and then uh the one that i haven't mentioned yet which i feel like is a gimme but is also the hardest one to watch is dead alive yes yeah peter jackson's horror comedy that is the only horror movie i've ever watched that made me gag while watching it oh um, damn it is, i love that movie it is difficult to watch it is uh, <laughs> essentially a zombie movie but it is the grossest shit i've ever seen um, <laughs> it's real like if the idea of somebody's ear falling off into their porridge and then somebody eating that is like enough to make you not want to watch it. Don't. But if you see, if you hear that and you're like, that sounds good, that is exactly <laughs> the movie. For you. The man who would go on to make the Lord of the Rings films. That's how he started is making the greatest fucking horror movie comedy I've ever seen. <laughs> that lawnmower scene though. So, so good. I kick ass for the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's fucking wild. New Zealand and Australian comedy, if you haven't like dug into what they do, there's a lot of like real weird comedy horror shit there that like Welcome to Whoop Whoop. Yeah. <laughs> have you ever seen Black Sheep? I mean Yes, yes I have. A okay. good reason New Zealand gave us what we do in the shadows. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's there's a lot there. But yeah, I think if you're gonna get into Australian New Zealand horror comedy Dead Alive is probably the place to start because um, it informs a lot of that stuff that comes after. But all of those are equally insane to house in different ways. So definitely worth checking out. Bronwyn, anytime you want to watch Dead or Alive, Dead Alive, let me know. <laughs> For the record, or you not recommend watching Dead or Alive? Don't do that. No, I do. It's so good. I mean, do it. Dead or Alive is horrible. <laughs> but you should watch Dead or Alive as well. It's so bad. Wait, is are we talking about the the media the extension of the video game? Yeah, the fighting. Game, yeah, the fighting. Oh my god, it's very bad. I love you, <laughs> Jamie. Tell us where we can find more about <laughs> Angry Zen Master on Twitter and uh, Jamie Noguchi on Instagram, and then like all all the stuff, all other stuff. Where you can find fine podcasts. Uh, you can find me on all the things at Shiny Baby B. And you can also listen to me on Thirsty on Tune. <laughs> nice. And Steve, what about you? I am all over the place. My list of credits is actually getting a little long. Uh, I am at dead underscore anchorus on Twitter and Instagram. I am on the Talking Comics podcast every Wednesday. 
And if you like animation, I have a animation retrospective series that I do on the Joe Blow Originals YouTube channel called Animation Movies Revisited. We have a whole bunch of movies. We just did one for My Neighbor Totoro. We've also got The Secret of Nim on there and a very, very, very special, very big 10 out of 10 movie coming uh, next month. So we do one of those a month and it's been a lot of fun and you should go check it out. They are yeah, top notch. And movies. Yeah, they're really good. I write them and I, and I narrate them too. So nice. Yay. 100% down. All right. Do you want me to do all the uh, outro stuff, Emily? Yeah, because I closed my app, my doc. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <clears throat> my bad. As for the rest of us, you can find Emily at Megamoth on Twitter and Mega underscore Moth on Instagram and at megamoth.net. Ben is on Twitter at Ben the Con and on, our, on their website at bencomics.com where you can pick up all their books including the new Immortals Phoenix Rising graphic novel from Great Beginnings and the GLAAD award nominated Renegade Rule graphic novel. Yeah. yeah. As for me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at jrome58 and my website at jeremywhitley.com where you can check out everything I write and of course, the podcast is at Patreon at Progressively Horrified, on our website at progressivelyhorrified.transistor.fm, and on Twitter at Prog Horror Pod. We would love to hear from you, and we would also love for you to rate the podcast wherever you're listening to it right now. Ten stars will help us find more listeners, or five stars, whatever they do where you're listening. Uh, the most stars. We are like Mario. We crave the stars. Thank you again to Jamie and Bronwyn and Steve for joining us for this very special podcast. It is currently four minutes into my birthday here on the East Coast. All right. Yes. Happy birthday, Jeremy. And thank you, Jamie, Bronwyn, Steve, so much for being on. This was a blast of blasts. Always a good time. Always. 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 Love it. (laughs) Love it. Love it. Yes. And all of you, until next time, stay horrified. Progressively Horrified is created by Jeremy Whitley and produced by Alicia Whitley. This episode featured Jeremy, Ben, and Emily, along with special guests Steve Say, Bronwyn Kelly Say, and Jamie Noguchi. All opinions expressed by the commentators are solely their own and do not represent the intent or opinion of the filmmakers, nor do they represent the employers, institutions, or publishers of the commentators. Our theme music is Epic Darkness by Mario Cole 06 and was provided royalty-free from Pixabay. If you liked this episode, you can support us on Patreon. You can also get in touch with us on Twitter at ProgHorrorPod or by email at ProgressivelyHorrified at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Oh, and happy birthday, Jeremy.